0: Welcome, I'm Larry Olson, and what's on your mind? Once set, it delivers your life. To change the outcomes we want, we must change the plays we're running. Join us at Mindset Playbook with real people, real talk, for real
1: insight. Today's episode is sponsored by Apernio. An achievement acceleration company whose approach to professional development enables clients to gain insights and perspectives to live, work, and engage with more success. Well, welcome to Mindset
0: Playbook, and I'm looking forward to finding out as much as I can from our next guest today, because she models a great work ethic and what I'm all about, and that's the importance of vision, and what having one can do for you or your organization. My guest today is Bria Larson. She is an American competition swimmer who specializes in the breaststroke. And oh, by the way, um, she's also an Olympic gold medalist. She earned a gold medal in the 4 by 100 meter medley relay at the 2012 Summer Olympics. She is born and raised in Mesa, Arizona, where she went on to attend Texas A&M University, acquiring a bachelor's in psychology. So I better make sure I'm accurate on my... Uh, Psych, and a master's in sports management. Just to name a few of her accomplishments, other than being the 2012 Olympic gold medalist, include the 2013 world champion, three-time NCAA champion, and nine-time American record holder. Um, And she's just stated that her fastest time, she qualified for the Olympics at 10678 and if you, if you read up on her and listen to that, that her big quest was to break 107. Mm-hmm. And now she's done a 105.9. Nine. So, poosh. <laughs> We're going to find out more about that as well. Well, welcome, Bria, Thanks. to Mindset Playbook Podcast. And with your illustrious career in swimming and all the experience you've had, as well as victories you've accomplished... What would you say is the single most shaping moment for you in defining who Bria Larson really is and why?
2: It's such a great question, Larry. And I think there's a two-part answer. Um, that At the beginning of my career, there was a lot of ignorant confidence, which I think is a very big benefit for a lot of young up-and-comings.
0: Ignorant confidence. Ignorant
2: confidence. What do you mean mm-hmm. by that? So I, I feel like younger athletes or just younger children in general have so much confidence going into a goal and because they don't know failure. And I started swimming at such a late age competitively. Ah. And so I didn't really know a lot of the failure and I just kept improving at a high rate. And so there was no reason to not keep improving.
0: Gotcha. And
2: what was considered a,
0: a late age?
2: Uh, I started swimming club around 17,
0: 17. And Mm -hmm. and others had started when? Probably six, six. Mm -hmm. Holy smokes. Okay.
2: (laughs) So I going into Texas A&M, it was, it was pretty rough. I'd been swimming year round for about a year and I had a couple of moments that really kind of drove me down. So the first two months into school, there was a moment of, of eating my oatmeal where I just completely crumbled so I call it the oatmeal story. So I'll back up okay, a bit. <laughs> okay. Great. Um, I was so excited going into Texas A&M, but when I got there, I was much slower than the rest during practice because my aerobic capacity wasn't quite as high okay. having 10 years less experience.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. So
2: when I kind of got to the point realizing that I wasn't going to be as fast in practice. There were multiple times where my coach would have me stop the set that I was in and finish it after practice by myself in the diving well. And it was Whoa. very embarrassing <laughs> every single was time. It? Oh, and there was one morning where I remember riding my bike to the cafeteria and sitting down and trying to eat a big bowl of oatmeal. And I tried to take my first bite and I started choking on my food. I was so tired that I couldn't actually eat. You couldn't even swallow. I couldn't even swallow. Oh, for heaven's (laughs) sakes. And I went back to my dorm room and tried to take a nap, but my muscles were twitching so hard from recovery that I couldn't sleep. And I remember texting my mom this overly dramatic text message that just kind of said, mother, today you might have seven daughters, but tomorrow you're going to have six because I'm going to drown. I'm going to oh. die or dry or um, sink down to the bottom of the diving well. No one's going to notice, and I'll <laughs> never come out again. <laughs> and I just wow. explained how I, I wanted to quit. I wanted to be done. It was too so hard.
0: So, what was what what were you feeling? What was the emotion you were experiencing during that dark period?
2: Just complete defeat. Just, um, I, I kind of had this imposter syndrome. Okay. Um, I, I didn't realize at the point how much work it actually took to get to the collegiate level. And I didn't have that experience. And there were uh, rumors going around the team that I was going to quit, that I was going to transfer. And it didn't really help my morale.
0: Sure, sure.
2: And so after sending my mom this overdramatic message, she sent back the most simple phrase. And she just said, Bria. This is what it feels like to be a champion. Wow. How tired you feel, how hard you're working. That's what champions do. And, and so I just kind of took that to heart and wanted to earn that pain. Hmm. If I knew I was working so hard that I could hardly eat my food or even fall asleep, then I knew I was getting better. And that was a big shift in my dedication towards my goal, of one, just trying to survive, but still having that, that inner dream of maybe making the Olympic team someday.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So what would a, what would a day workout be like?
2: So we woke up around 5am and we had practice from six to 8am from in the water. And then we did about an hour and a half of weight training. And then we had a couple hours of school and we came back for another two hour practice in the water. And then typically we do 30 minutes of cardio on our own afterwards. And so it'd be between four and a half to six hours a day of, of exercise.
0: <laughs> and are you just swimming all out during that practice or what are you doing?
2: It kind of depends. So we had, um, multiple different types. So we would have an aerobic session where we were swimming, um, on, on end constantly, maybe 10 seconds break a couple times throughout. And then we would have sprint practices where it was more high intensity and more rest.
0: Okay. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, um, so how'd you do in your first event? which one when you uh, ha- when you got out of that experience where your mom mm-hmm. told you that that's what champions feel like
2: so that's actually a really good story too okay. so um, before <clears throat> our first uh, inner squad meet with another um, team we had to fill out a goal sheet and in high school since I had started so late um, I dropped a second about every single competition my senior year of high school. And so that was a full second. (laughs) (laughs) And so I I started out pretty slow. And
0: for those that that. that don't understand what a full second means, you can, your career can be over in a hundredth of Mm -hmm. a second. Yeah. So that's a lifetime, a full second.
2: A full second can almost be an entire body length.
0: Okay. Think about it in
2: the the visual view. Wow. But it was interesting because we wrote down our, our best time and then what we would want to swim. So just like in high school, I said I wanted to go to a second faster in each event. And my co- college coach, um, I found this out later that he called my club coach and said, you've got to talk to her. Like she's going to hurt herself mentally if oh. she thinks that she's going to go these times. Oh. And my high school coach just responded. If she says she's going to do it, she's probably going to do it. And okay. I went back to that same goal sheet a couple years later looking at it, and I went exactly those times that I had written down that I wanted to go. Exactly. Exactly those times to the 10th. It was, it was pretty amazing kind yeah. of seeing that. So
0: what does that? what can you tell us about the importance of specificity mm-hmm. in goals?
2: I think there's a combination between affirmation and manifestation okay. when you're looking at it. And one of the reasons why that ignorant confidence was really working is because there were no doubts.
0: Gotcha. I I was always
2: told that if I put my mind to it, I could do it. And in that moment of time, I was still very green in the sport and had a lot of room to improve. And so it it was really easy to try and get there. Gotcha. But I think that the, the biggest challenge a lot of us have is giving ourselves permission to be the best. It's a very scary concept when you look at it, because if you enter whatever situation you're in, whether it be the office that you're in going into a new business, you're going to see the big giants of the field and be quite intimidated. Mm. But if you look at the path in front of you and you see how those giants got to where they were and follow that, that path specifically and give yourself permission every day mm. to do what it takes to get there, you're going to be much more successful.
0: Mm. Wow. 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 Um, This whole affirmation versus manifestation. Mm -hmm. So as I would understand that, and then correct me here, please. Mm -hmm. An affirmation is a statement of, of, I believe, a statement of fact or belief Mm -hmm. that's accepted literally by the subconscious. If there's not a sponsoring thought, which would be, yeah, but what if I don't?
2: Right.
0: And that's the doubt that you were talking about. You never experienced,
2: right?
0: Um, and then the manifestation is the reality that yes, indeed, the clock says that I made that time, right? Is that which how you understand it?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, all a lot of people have doubt mm-hmm. and they have hesitation. Um, what What do you think was special or unique about you? Because I would have to think you would have to believe that because what are the percentages of uh, chances of people going to the Olympics and winning a gold medal? Right. Let alone just going to the Olympics, right? It's probably easier to win the lottery. Right.
2: (laughs) They actually told us that when we first made the team. Did they? (laughs) Yeah. A better chance of making the lottery or winning lottery than making the Olympic team as a rookie. That was the big thing. Yeah.
0: (laughs) It's got to be multi-millions to one that Mm -hmm. you're going to make it. Anyway, Mm -hmm. so so share with us what and then I want to hear so much more, but share with us how you deal with doubt or how you deal with any kind of what if.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, the first step is recognizing that you're thinking that I think being very introspective is one of the best things you can do. So I, I feel that if you were to write down in your most vulnerable and emotional moment of exactly what you're thinking, and again, I think that takes a lot of bravery because we can be quite mean to ourselves. Mm. We can be very self-deprecating. So if you were to write down the full honest thought of what you're thinking, then it, it's a little bit more shocking to understand what you're actually doing to yourself. Mm. Mm. So let's say going into a competition I am afraid of not going at best time because I'm going to disappoint many of the parents' children who or the, sorry children's parents who came to see a world class performance. I got you. So that might be an <clears throat> underlying thought. If I were to write that down and come back to it maybe an hour later when I'm more level minded and realize how ridiculous that is. <clears throat> That I'm, I'm not swimming for the random people in the crowd who might want their children to be inspired, but I'm swimming for the competition and the love of the sport. And so it, it really just takes a lot of, of self-discovery and trying to really understand what your goals are, what you're trying to go for, and the thought process you have behind it. Mm-hmm. If you were to be more vulnerable and honest with yourself, it makes it a lot easier to try and refocus and train your brain into the direction you want it to go. Because we all want to be successful. We all want to be the, the big giant in the field. It's just really trying to train the mental muscles that you have and be accountable for it. I think that's the most difficult part hmm. is if you were to go to the gym every day and and lift the weights in, in the productive way, everyone else can see the physical results. And you might get complimented for it. And you might even have an accountability buddy who goes with you. But when it comes to your mentality, no one can see what you're doing. No hmm. one can see the progress and and how mentally in shape you are towards increasing your confidence or your motivation or what whatnot.
0: Yeah. So that being said... Which was wonderful to hear articulated <laughs> you 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 shared that so well
2: thank you
0: very very easily understood. but you also mentioned something earlier about the um, the fraud mentality. was that the term you used?
2: Yeah the imposter syndrome the imposter syndrome mm-hmm.
0: okay and my understanding of that is if people really knew what I'm thinking or who I am, I wouldn't have right. any of this going on or accolades. Right. And everything would just kind of tumble down.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That is something that I'm sure you're aware of with your psychological background is mm-hmm. probably very well understood by 95% of the people that are that are existing on this planet. Right. And, and yet, to overcome that mm-hmm. requires, um, you know, a process steps and in hindsight when you look at how you overcame it mm-hmm. um can you share that with us
2: i think i i got to it in such a simple approach really okay and and i think that mostly is contributed to not having many failures in the sport at that time. I didn't have a, a, chi- a whole childhood full of disappointments in swimming. I just started swimming and went with it. Yeah.
0: Um, you must have had some natural talent.
2: That That is a big factor. Okay. Um, I do have the genetic side, and gotcha. that that is important, especially when it comes to sports. Yeah. Of course, there is always the hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard, but it definitely helps to have the talent. Are
0: there a lot of uh, Olympic breaststroke winners that were 5'5"? Five, five?
2: There are, actually. Are there? There are, yeah. Oh, for heaven's sake! I like to tell the, the younger athletes that there are giants and there are technicians. Oh, And it's, okay. it's very scary to go up to a giant, but that you've seen many technicians who are a foot and a half shorter that are able to be the giants. I'll be
0: darned. Okay. But the big goal
2: is to become a giant technician.
0: There you go. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So back to the imposter mm-hmm. syndrome. You said it was a very simple
2: yeah, I just, approach. Kind of going way back in time, I remember seeing um, the Olympics when I was about four years old and watching the gymnasts. And I was so enthralled with how beautiful and powerful and strong they were. And I just remember thinking, you know, if they're little like me. Oh. If they can do it, I can do it. Okay. And I just always kind of had that mentality of why not me? I can do it too. Gotcha. And and just going full force at it. And I still kind of have that every now and then when you meet someone that you might be starstruck by. And, and when you make the Olympic team, you get to meet so many incredible people. Yeah. And when you shake their hand, there's always a moment in my mind that's kind of shocked thinking, mm. oh my gosh, like they're real. They're gotcha. made of flesh and bone just like me. They might have oatmeal in the morning and peanut butter and jelly at lunch when they're running late. And you just kind of look at that person who's so successful and try to imagine how they got there, what is their mindset. And really they're just human. Mm. They might have a couple more resources and they might have worked um, harder in, in certain areas of their field, but if they can do it, why can't I do it? Because mm. each individual person who's so successful is just one person. And it, it might be a little bit more difficult for some because we're not all given the same great opportunities, sure. but I think we all are given an opportunity to be great. And if you can oh, find nice. that opportunity, you can make some really incredible stuff happen.
0: Yeah. Outstanding. Mm-hmm. So how has this t- tremendous discipline that is absolutely required mm-hmm. to be successful in anything, how, has, how, it, how does that still play in your life? Now, are you um, going to be participating and working towards the Tokyo Olympics?
2: So I'm actually not. You're not? I'm not. Okay. No. Were I've... you at
0: one time? About thinking month ago about it was
2: oh for heaven's <laughs> sake yeah so i'm i'm transitioning out now and most of that is the lack of resources right now so okay. i still think it's up in the air whether or not it's going to happen anyway anyways gotcha. and and i think that being at the i'm 28 right now okay and being at this stage i do need to transition at some point into the business sector i
0: got you and
2: I spoke with a lot of different coaches that I really admire. And, and the big question they had was, what are you going to gain from going to another Olympics?
1: Mm. What are you going
2: to gain? Mm. And of course, the experience and, and the, the pride of representing your country, but looking at everything that it takes to get there. Mm. I could spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on massage and diet and, and all the resources and go a world record in prelims. And then beat that world record in semifinals, go faster in finals, but still get third place by a hundredth of a second, and I'm not going. Gotcha. And that's the risk that so many athletes have to face. And that's happened multiple times at Olympic trials, where the top three placements beat the current world record, but third place doesn't get to go.
0: Yeah. yeah. And it's… Wasn't that Phelps… timing that beats it. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. He's, he's gone a couple of races off, off of uh, not clipping his fingernails for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Right,
0: Yeah. Any edge, any edge.
2: And, and I don't think that it's the fear of not going but more of the quality of life that I'd have to go through in order to keep training, and I got gotcha. you. And I've been professional. And
0: you've you've got a you've married now, aren't you? No, no, not no. No, you're all. not. You're engaged. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wasn't in the even... past,
2: but I've been with um, Tommaso Bratti for about three years now. Okay, I apologize. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> I, I, I misunderstood
0: some information mm-hmm. that I received. So, okay, so but yet your life has changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your responsibilities have changed. Mm-hmm. And sounds like the key question was what are you going to gain from this?
2: Right. And looking at, at what it. What cost. Right. And and the <clears> athletic <throat> achievement, of course, is incredible, but four years later, I really don't think it makes much of a difference if I were to tell a stranger if I'm a one time Olympian or two time Olympian. Because yeah. so if I'm a one time Olympian, they would never say, Well, why aren't you a two? <laughs> right. You know, yeah. or why don't you have more gold case? medals? They would never say that. Yeah. And within right. the swimming world, it's very difficult not to compare yourself, but yeah. outside of it, you can still realize what an accomplishment it is and yeah. I think that was another really great defining moment was in 2016 I felt this immense pressure to continue to perform the same and went into a very dark psychological hole and I think that's when I really noticed how incredible that your mentality um, affects your performance in in all aspects um, but I got, sixth, I got fourth place, um, in my main event at the hundred breaststroke. And I remember just feeling completely distraught that I lost my identity, that I was no longer worth anything. And I went up into the stands and I remember watching one of the events and I just looked at the pool deck and thought it was kind of silly that it was just a hole in the ground filled with water. And these swimmers hopped on the starting blocks and moved their arms and legs as fast as they could from point A to point B. (laughs) And that determined their worth. (laughs) You know, it it just, it was so simple to me. And I just, and of course it's, it's much more than that. It's, it's the admiration behind how much work they put in, but I decided right then and there, that is not my identity. And I think Uh. it's so important, especially when you're so focused on one goal that you have to be able to diversify your personal worth and value. Hmm. You are not just an accountant you are not just a car salesman you are not just a lawyer you're not just a professional athlete. there is so much more to you and the more stake and, and personal worth you put into one goal the the more um, intimidating it is if you were to, if you were to fail hmm. And so I think to kind of create a more balanced mentality, hmm you have to start understanding your worth outside of that one goal. Oh. And and that's when I really started to get more into mental training and started mentoring a lot of younger athletes and trying to help them relieve that pressure. Hmm. And you have to kind of balance your your mindset and your expectations in your brain in order to be relaxed enough to perform well.
0: Gotcha. How do you do how do you do that? How do you not make that goal everything? Mm-hmm. And still not lose your edge.
2: It's a very good question. And I think it takes a lot of practice. okay. I, I honestly see them the brain as just a bunch of different mental muscles. And if you were to look at the the physical muscles of an athlete in general, If they are overcompensating one one particular muscle group, it's going to affect the others in a negative way Hmm. and you have to be able to balance it out. And so I think that comes a lot with journaling. And when you start to have overwhelming pressures, again, writing it down when you're at your most vulnerable moment to understand what kind of mental chatter you're having in your head. And then you have to be able to look at it subjectively, and it always helps, of course, to, to have subjectively
0: or objectively objectively <laughs> objectively. <laughs> Thank okay. You. That's okay, that's okay. <laughs> Looking right. at it objectively, figured that's what you meant. Um,
2: <laughs> and trying to understand where you need to shift some stuff, because okay. it it's it's heartbreaking when you see athletes. Crumble at, at the pinnacle of their career. Sure. And you've seen it time and time again, especially at the Olympic games. It's always the the newbies that do an incredible job because they mm-hmm. have nothing to lose. There's no expectation there and pressure. Yeah. And then maybe the, the next Olympics, they come around. The pressure just builds because they have all these expectations. And so it takes a lot of mental work. I think you, especially as an athlete or anyone trying to perform their own metaphorical gold medal performance, mm-hmm. wherever it may be, that you have to understand where where you need to kind of relax the expectation and be able to move forward to create that special performance. Gotcha. So
0: let's, you... <clears throat> Some things in life mm-hmm. are easier said than done. Right. Okay. And when one journals mm-hmm. and, and and journals in the sense of instead of what was great that happened today and mm-hmm. get into kind of that dark thinking. Because mm-hmm. it does take the edge off. I That's mean, it does keep us from performing at our best. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we end up hedging our bet. Mm-hmm which is kind of what I was getting at at that question is it's not a world record we're going after. I just need to qualify. And so we, we don't swim as fast. Right. Right. Or we don't show up earlier to work or whatever Mm -hmm. the case may be. How do you get, how do you take It's so subjective when you write down that, that darkness, that fear, Mm -hmm. how do you bring objectivity into it? Because it's the same brain, right? That's now having to make this shift mm-hmm. from. There's got to be some basic underlying belief mm-hmm. that you are worthy,
2: right?
0: To for that to work,
2: mm-hmm.
0: or is it more than that?
2: To me, it's rather simple, but it also it's it's practice. You know, okay. It's, okay. Practice. It's. it's Trying to understand the continuous conscious of thought that you may be having and then changing up the vocabulary in your head. That is, is the biggest part of it, you know. Um, so speaking again with I love using the younger athletes as an example, because okay. we can all kind of relate to that, that childhood mindset that we've all been through. But if there is a, a child going up to a competition and saying, if I don't swim this time, I'm not going to qualify for this. That is the same thing as saying, if I swim this time, I have the opportunity to go to this competition. Sure, It's saying the exact same thing, but one of them is going to help and one of them is going to hurt. Okay. And so maybe going into a, a, big, um, a big presentation that you may have at work, going in to your presentation thinking, if I don't nail this, I'm going to get fired. If I nail this, I'm going to have incredible opportunities. Okay. When I nail this, I'm going to have incredible opportunities And it's it's saying the same thing but again, it's just trying to change the vocabulary in your head. Sure And, and it's so and I, it changes your energy. too. It does absolutely yeah, yeah. And I think that <clears> negative <throat> thoughts are are very sweet. For us to have, um, it's okay. kind of like a sugar addiction. Okay, you know, it's it's very easy and it's it's very um, almost comforting. I think there's something strangely nostalgic. Yeah, because
0: we don't have to succeed.
2: No, it's very easy to fail. Yeah, it's easier, and we and and I think your brain always wants to take the easier choice because it's not as much work.
0: Well, your brain's all about routine, right? I mean, it's trying to make things <laughs> like you said. I take a simpler approach.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, it is. We want it to be something that we can understand and. What you said about being able to, okay, so we got this scenario now that I'm gonna, if, I don't do the, if I don't do well at this presentation, I'm not going to get the promotion or I'm not going to be well thought of by my peers. Right. If I do do the presentation well, then this can happen and that can happen. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now And now the presentation sucks. Mm-hmm. But they're looking at it from the right perspective. Right. So now where do they go with that information? With
2: that information. With the, with the
0: fact that they failed. <laughs>
2: Just with the fact that they have failed,
0: they <clears throat> it was a terrible presentation. Oh, it was
2: a terrible <clears throat> presentation. Yeah,
0: but they but they said, mm-hmm. if I do do well at this, then this will happen.
2: Right. So with that, um, it again it takes a lot, I think it takes a lot of bravery okay. to be able to look at the performance and see what you can improve for next time. Okay. And it takes a lot of, of a positive mindset to continue that. And I again, I think being positive and being happy takes a lot of energy. Um, and so you have to kind of exercise that mental muscle within itself. But if I ever go into a competition and I have a terrible, terrible swim, the first thing I go up to my coach and say, what do I need to do to fix it? Okay. But I say the exact same <clears> thing <throat> if I go record, what do I need to do to fi- to make, to go faster? And so, so now what you've the, done is you mm-hmm. brought
0: in a coach.
2: Mm-hmm. I think having some, how important of a is mentor that? is, is a very, is a very positive asset. To anyone okay. and whether that be an employer or just a, a trusted love but i one. feel
0: bad when i ask for help what if what if that's a lot of what people think mm-hmm. well then they won't think i'm as strong as or that i'm not as worthy
2: think, what would you
0: suggest for those people that are unwilling vulnerab- to get mentored
2: i think vulnerability shows strength because okay. it's not easy <clears throat> to be vulnerable
0: and a- amen
2: right and yeah. and If you are intimidated about finding a mentor within your immediate field, why not search outside that field to get a different perspective? You know, I think that having a direct line and and pathway to the goal that you want is very important. If you don't have that, look through LinkedIn. It's an open resource for so many people. and, And it doesn't hurt to ask. Finding someone in the field who's done really well, sending them a very flattering message explaining what your goals and aspirations are and your admiration for for their work and seeing if they can give you five minutes of their time Hmm. to sit down and give you some pointers. And just there are so many resources out there looking through YouTube, looking through LinkedIn, looking through all the different social media sources to try and kind of piece together and map out a way to go. And again, still being able to look objectively at your own performance and trying to brainstorm a way into making it better.
0: Yeah. You know, you probably feel the same way, but I am always flattered when someone reaches out and wants a little advice, right?
2: But it it takes a special way. If I were to reach out to you saying, hi, Larry, can I get an autograph? Okay, thanks. Here's my address. You might not respond. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But if I say, you know, I've I've listened to all your podcasts and and I'm just so intrigued by the types of questions that you give and the people that you bring in. And I'm very, very interested in going to the same fields. Um, Can I buy you a cup of coffee?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And how
2: much more willing are you to give your time freely to someone, you know, kind of giving back to your profession?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Great. Very nice. Mm -hmm. Very well done. Um, You're. You're, you're, you're shared with us that if I do have this positive mindset mm-hmm. and you and I know it's m- much more than that, Yeah, and it is a lot of work mm-hmm. because there's more bad news out there than there is good news. And that's mm-hmm. why me- who you mentor with is so important Yeah, because they can, they can add to the,
2: the, the shame
0: and the, <laughs> oh, I know why it feels so bad. That absolutely <laughs> sucked. You know, what do you think I should do? I don't think there's a prayer in hell. You know, that's not helpful. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> But what you said is when when you do not get the result you wanted, mm-hmm. that's the learning opportunity,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and you look at it like an opportunity.
2: Absolutely, right? If you were to always succeed, there aren't there's not a lot of room for growth. You know, if everyone yeah. is always giving you the the compliments of of whatnot, you might not be able to see where you can actually improve. Yeah. So sometimes the big epic failures per se. Bring a lot of um, eureka moments, you know, mm, mm. being able to really analyze and dig in a lot deeper of what you could actually fix.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Mm-hmm. So you have transitioned now, mm-hmm. all right. You you still got this great deal going on, and I want everybody to be aware of this. and <laughs> And I would imagine it's amazing. And it's it's uh, Brianna's putting on a program, a workshop called "How to Create an Olympian Mindset." And just based on some of the things she shared here, from my over 40 years experience in the brain and psychology of high performance, Mm -hmm. um, she has given you some nuggets, some golden nuggets about um, how to keep the process simple. And yet the tremendous appreciation and respect one must have for their own brain. Mm -hmm. And recognize it's not the brain's fault. It's how the brain's been conditioned and being able to journal is to allow you to see mm-hmm. the shortcomings in the statements that Absolute. you're trying to condition yourself to. Right. Um, what has been your transition now? What where, where do you find yourself getting involved in as far as making a living mm-hmm. um, when you're not doing this or doing keynotes and whatnot? Right. Have you transitioned in anything?
2: Yes. So I have gotten my real estate license and I hung my license at an incredible firm called Launch Real Estate. Ah. Uh, I was actually in Budapest at one of my last international swim league competitions. And we were in this bubble for about six weeks and bored out of our minds. And so I've always been interested in real estate. So I decided to get my license while I was there. And, um, it's just kind of gone off and I absolutely love it. It's a very fun learning curve. And, oh, yeah. and from the different agents I've spoken to, um, I'm able to kind of tie in everything I've been doing into that, that the real estate agent is, is the almost emotional consultant trying to help <laughs> you through the process and, and being able to listen to the worries. And I think that the psychology training that I've, I've learned from, um, will also kind of go into that field very well.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. So uh, how long have you been into it now?
2: Just about a month or so. Okay. Um, but I'm with a fantastic group that has over 15 years of experience within the market. So they've they've been some phenomenal mentors kind of going into this new journey.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and just, you know, David Newcomb, for instance, mm-hmm. is just a, a wonderful human being to begin with.
2: Yeah, he's... Phenomenal. Isn't he? Mm-hmm.
0: He's just, he's amazing. Um, well, that's exciting. That's exciting.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Being able to, because it is a traumatic experience. Typically the most expensive investment anybody's made. It is. It's
2: very intimidating. And
0: and with the market so hot right now with, mm-hmm. you know, generally your, your offer on what they're asking is not going to do it.
2: Yeah, they're they're usually going about almost 20% over asking price right now, which is pretty. Which is Pretty hefty,
0: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. With low interest rates, and I mean, mm-hmm. it's a it's a definitely a seller's market. Yeah. Um, what you know, if we if we go back to, I think one of the things that I find so important is discipline, mm-hmm. and not discipline over your children or over your spouse or over another, but discipline of yourself. Right. You now are not in you're not competing, you're not, you've decided not to go on to the Mm -hmm. Olympics. What disciplines do you still bring to your life that have kind of been your anchor?
2: Well, there are three different sections, I think, that you need to kind of um, section off to continue to be very productive. Um, One is nutrition, the other is recovery, and the next is work. And I still treat my, my daily routine as an Olympic athlete. Okay. Your nutrition helps you stay productive. What kind of foods are you eating? How much water are you drinking to feel revitalized every day? The recovery of being able to get enough high quality hygienic sleep and by hygienic, I mean, making sure the room is dark enough. Um, do you have any animals in the room? Are you comfortable? Are your sheets clean? Um, just having high quality sleep at night. And then when it comes to the work that goes both physical and mental, Constantly making sure and having check-ins with your brain to make sure you're staying positive, that you are, continued to have that motivation and drive and confidence of what you're doing and why you're making your decisions, and then blocking out times throughout your day to stay on task and um, completely engaged in one task at a time. Multitasking isn't always as effective as we think. And, and it's, so, it's
0: the recipe for overwhelmness. It is. Absolutely. It? And then people get paralyzed.
2: Mm-hmm. And so I I think um, absolutely. (laughs) So I think uh, just kind of sectioning out your day like an Olympic athlete would helps you stay very productive.
0: Wow. That's very good advice. (laughs) So you're not getting up at 530 anymore, are you?
2: I'm getting up around 6 or 630. Mm -hmm. And then what do you do? Um, Well, I've got to take care of the puppies. You got so, some puppies? We've got some puppies. <laughs> what kind of
0: dogs do you have?
2: I have an Australian Shepherd and German short hair pointer. So they're oh, very right. hyperactive. Okay. So we take care of them in the morning, make sure they're fed, watered, and gone to the bathroom, yep. um, make sure I have a, a very healthy breakfast. I think breakfast just sets my day off right. So yeah. making sure that I have everything I need and then sitting down, um, having some journal time, maybe a, a one to 10 minute meditation, and then getting into the emails.
0: Yeah. When you, if you don't mind, Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about how you meditate.
2: So I've done it a couple different ways. Um, I really like using the app Headspace. I think it's fantastic. If I want someone else to kind of guide through it, that's really great. Um, other times, I, I'm, I'm
0: sorry, I moved my mic and missed what you said. You do what? Headspace. Headspace. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Just
2: an app on the phone. Gotcha. Um, okay. It's, it's got a lot of different kinds of, of leading different meditations. Um, if you're stressed or worried or have trouble falling asleep or whatnot, but other So times, you pick a
0: topic for mm-hmm. what you want to be meditated on. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then there are, is there statements in it or mm-hmm. is it just music or? Uh, both. Yeah. Both. They, okay. they
2: have so many options. Okay. Um, but other times I, I do find it a rather fun mental game to see how long I can go without allowing anything to creep into my mind. Okay. So. And when
0: something enters, what do you do?
2: I think you have to be gentle with yourself and just kind of flick it away.
0: Okay. I know okay. a lot
2: of people are, are kind of hard on themselves that they, they can't empty their mind and stop being hard on yourself.
0: Yeah, So that you brought that up earlier and that's Mm -hmm. such a, I'm sorry, I didn't spend more time on that, but Mm -hmm. I will now. Um, Why do you think it's important for us who, if we think about it, when we get down on Mm ourselves, nobody can be as tough on ourselves as we can. Mm -hmm. And there's an old statement. If a friend treated you, talked to you the way that you talk to you sometime, would they still be a friend? Right. How do you How do you, what do you mean by being gentle with yourself?
2: So again, kind of with a phrase that you said, if you were to plan out your day, if you were to plan out a day for a loved one, what would it look like? And Mm. if a loved one were to plan out your day, what would it look like? Mm. And if, if you had someone looking in and reading your thoughts, how would they help correct it? And I almost want to go back to the sugar example. I I feel like kind of going into a self-deprecating mode is is slightly nostalgic in a way um, because it's very easy to be sad it's very easy to crawl up and not want to do anything and from there i think it's important to give yourself some tough love to, mm-hmm. to stand up for yourself and say we're not going to do that today we're not going to think that today we're going to go in a more positive to stand direction. up for
0: yourself i like mm-hmm.
2: that you have to be your own best friend. Yeah. It's so much better to have a best friend constantly cheering you on in your head than a self deprecating enemy trying to drag you down. Yeah.
0: Because not everybody has the resource, as yeah. you talked about, mm-hmm. the mentor to say, right. What are you talking about?
2: Mm-hmm. What
0: are you frowning for? You know, tell me what's going on. I mean, and yes. then we get to kind of throw up on them, if you will, and get it out of our system. And we always feel better when we do that. Mm-hmm. So you're saying, and, uh, without a mentor, then journaling. Mm -hmm. is a good way to kind of evolve that. So how many people get up in the morning, rush through, if they have breakfast at all,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. race to work, don't have time to pay attention to anything beautiful along the way because they're just thinking about when they get to work. And then when they get to work, they're thinking about what they're going to do on that project coming up. So nobody is ever spending any time in the moment.
2: Mm Right. Right. And what might, do you
0: say about that
2: that might be the snooze button to be honest <laughs>
0: the, the moment yeah okay um
2: you know I I think that if you want to add more beauty to your life you need to be conscious in scheduling it in
0: okay. okay
2: so if that means going going to bed if you can I know everyone's schedule is is pretty hectic but if you can go to bed 30 minutes earlier so you can wake up 30 minutes earlier as well to be able to add these things to just kind of increase the quality of your life have that prep time do that for yourself how incredible would that be if if work started 30 minutes later and and you were able to have just a moment to yourself to reflect and appreciate everything that you've done and i think being proud of yourself is a big thing so i i think i mentioned it earlier is not how do you
0: deal with the seven deadly sins Pride being one of them. Mm-hmm. How do you equate that? What do you, what is your definition of being proud of yourself?
2: I think understanding and recognizing all of the hard work that you've done and knowing that it's enough and you can move forward and do better. Hmm. Hmm. I think pining on the past and, and being frustrated for past performances should help inspire you to do better than rather than drag you down because there's nothing you can do about it.
0: Okay. Okay very good great advice <laughs> it's not her first rodeo <laughs> um, so the, so everyone out there think about the, when how many times during the day you take a timeout your your timeouts there are these mm-hmm. moments of cuz i find if i don't take them i never get back on track i'm right. always catching up
2: I like to and think that's of, exhausting. of a quick a quick deep breathing session to okay. kind of refill and and empty out again. Okay. How many times a day do you take a 10-second breather where you literally count to 10 breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth? Yeah. What kind of relief you can actually feel and, and just kind of bringing in new oxygen into your body. That's another really cool um, subject that I love kind of getting into, especially for athletes. A lot of the time we only use the half part of our lungs to breathe in and out, we have very shallow breathing throughout the day, and you need that oxygen mm. to send more um, you know, blood, blood vessels through your muscles, or yes, yeah. <laughs> and bring more oxygen to your muscles. And imagine how much more awake your brain will be if you're getting a full load of oxygen. So every yeah. once in a while, maybe set an alarm on your phone you Great know, for, idea. at lunchtime at 3.30 in the afternoon, just to take a quick 10-second breath. Yeah. Just try and get a lot let's of oxygen in.
0: Let's do that right now. I want everybody who's listening to this, I want you to, and take us through it, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Guide us through this breathing.
2: So breathing in through your nose for 10 seconds.
0: Okay, let's do it.
2: One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine, 10, hold it for a second and out through your mouth. One, two, three,
0: four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Just like waking up from a nap.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and the cool thing too, if you do this often, you kind of realize how much more exercise your lungs need. Yeah. It's probably difficult to breathe in for 10 seconds all the way. And you try as hard as you can to expand your lungs as much as you can. But imagine if you were to breathe in more big deep breaths throughout the day. How much stronger your lungs could eventually be? Absolutely. And trying to pump more oxygen throughout your body.
0: That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, at night I do that, and one of the things I do is while I'm inhaling, I bring in, I inhale all the positivism, mm-hmm. the abundance, and the respect, and the, and then when I exhale, I exhale any fear or trepidation. Mm-hmm. So it also helps kind of recenter my my thinking again. Mm-hmm which we know is so critical. It is. I mean, it's everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and yet the physicality is, has got to come into play, right? You can't wish yourself into higher performance. No,
2: not at all. You know, you you have to think of, of your body as like a Ferrari, think of it as a really nice car and the driver is between the ears. And if the brain is the engine, you want your engine to run for a very long time and you want it to be healthy so you need to bring it into the shop to make sure you have all the tune-ups yeah. if you're never changing the oil if you're never making sure everything's running smoothly this incredibly nice car the only car you're going to get for the rest of your life is not going to run very well yeah. so take care of it yeah not yeah. just not just through your nutrition <clears throat> and your recovery but the mental aspect of of going through life in general is so crucial if you want to be successful. And again, this is in any profession, no matter what you're doing, if, even if you're a stay at home parent, having a healthy mindset is so crucial to be able to be successful in what you're trying to do.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Powerful. Um, so many of us and this is really unfortunate, that they still believe that 90% of people motivate, are motivated by fear. Yeah, I, and fear, I think so. There's
2: the fear of success and the fear of failure.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and what I mean by fear is is loss. Mm-hmm. Yes. I go to work or I won't be respected. Right. If I'm not on time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And just the slightest little... I have to kind of mentality, as you know, right. retards performance,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and then when we don't perform, what did I expect anyway? Right, and it becomes this vicious cycle. Right. Um. So this this um, and that discipline that that we're talking about is um, is so critical mm-hmm. because oh, here's what I was going to share. People, most most people, when you think about taking care of this Ferrari, mm-hmm. think about, yeah, well, I'll, I'll lose it if I don't. Right. It'll fall apart if I don't. If I don't stay healthy, I could die. Right. And most, a lot of people don't get in shape until they go into the doctor's office and says, if you don't stop mm-hmm. this, it's going to kill you. And now all of a sudden, they don't eat that anymore.
2: Right.
0: And what you're talking about is another route mm-hmm. to good health. Right. <laughs> and it's not driven by fear right? right you're also talking about another route to success mm-hmm. and to totally rethink this concept failure mm-hmm. and look at it as an opportunity rather than a setback and if you were to think about the people out there that that are so close and there's, there's, it's, it. And to them, it's a hundredths of a second that makes a difference between whether they get promoted or not, right. whether they study for the uh, real estate license and don't pass. Right. Um, everybody wants to know how do I stay off the cliff. Mm-hmm. And anybody that tells you they do not it's either in that ten percent or a liar. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you wouldn't be called up. Right. If there wasn't a need. Mm-hmm. You follow me? Yeah. Neither one of us would have anything to do for a living. I mean, right. if they didn't need a home or if they didn't need to change mm-hmm. their mindset somewhat. What of all the experience you've had mm-hmm. and 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 I just can't congratulate you enough <laughs> Thank you. because you you are an endorsement for all of us who are human. Mm-hmm. That with the right mindset and the right discipline, the only thing that can hold us back is ourselves. Right, because that's what I hear you saying.
2: Absolutely, and I, when you're when you're struggling, and um, I think procrastination is the root of a lot of our problems. And that doesn't mean not starting your paperwork, but procrastination is also not working on your mental health and not um, starting a, a more nu- a higher nutritional guideline of how you want to eat. Though, so the word diet is often seems restrictive. Yes. So I always <clears> just say nutritional guidelines. What are your nutritional guidelines? Okay. Because you don't want to feel restricted, um, and and the fear of success, I think often freezes people up more than the fear of failure because fear of failure is what drives you to, to go. You have to go to work if you want a paycheck, if you want to eat, but the fear of success is almost crippling Hmm. that if you don't try, you don't have to fail. And so I think going through and being brave enough to find the right intrinsic motivation really helps. And Hmm. One of the ways I like to do that is just by asking why five times, but you have to go in a positive direction. So I hate jumping in the cold water. It is (laughs) the worst thing in the world. (laughs) I'll go to practice 10 minutes earlier just to stare down that (laughs) ominous enemy. (laughs) And I'll I'll think, you know, why should I jump in the water? Well, I want to get faster. Why do you want to get faster? Well, I, I want to make more money at uh, or more prize money competitions. And why do you want to do that? You know, I, I want to be able to buy a home someday for my future kids. And why is that important? Because I want them to be able to have a more financially stable life. And, and you kind of keep going down the road and realize why you are doing something that's difficult. And if I were to go the other way, why should I jump in the cold water? Because my coach is going to yell at me. Why should I jump in the cold water? Because if I don't go faster at competitions then I'm not going to have enough money to pay my rent and why do you want, you know, it's, you can do the same thing, but going down that negative pathway, it forces you in because you're scared of, of the failure. You're scared of, of what will happen if you don't, instead of going towards that positive, it's, it's more intimidating to go towards that positive, but it, it helps kind of create that intrinsic motivation of why are you doing this? Are you trying to leave some sort of legacy? Are you trying to be a good example for your surrounding fellows or children? You have to continue to strive towards that positive direction when asking yourself why you're doing something. And it it took me a while to kind of come up with this on my own. You don't just spit it out. It, yeah. You really have to sit down and give <clears throat> each answer some really big consideration.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, in the in coaching process I use... Mm-hmm. It, you know, I call it peeling the onion, mm-hmm. and what you've shared is is the exact result. If you ask why enough,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you're dive You're not diving in that pool anymore for yourself. No, it's always something greater than self.
2: And that is a it's your very, children. Uh, yeah.
0: It's your you know. It's it's what kind of parent are they going to be? You know, what mm-hmm. kind of children are they going to have? I mean, mm-hmm. you you have shared something that is just so profound. It's that. In the old days, it used to be difficult to take something back Mm -hmm. because you felt like it's criminal or you've already had it for three hours. I mean, now it's insane, right?
2: Right. I mean, now
0: it's all about customer service. But you always felt good about taking something back for somebody else. Mm -hmm. It was always easier to take something back for you than for myself, which is the same thing you're sharing. Right. It's easier to do it for a greater good than it is just to, oh, why would I want to get cold? I don't have to go in the pool.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, you're not going to win. Well, there's more to life than winning. And pretty soon we're staying the same. Right. And so this has gone by way too fast. (laughs) I mean, I've got 12 other questions I haven't even gotten to. (laughs) Um, Sum it all up for us as to your biggest takeaway from being an Olympic gold medalist Mm
2: -hmm.
0: that you think is applicable to all areas of life.
2: I think the number one thing, and just to simplify it all is you have to learn how to be your own best friend. Okay. I don't think any Olympian goes on to be successful if they have a self-deprecating enemy in their head, you have to learn how to be your own best friend. You have to learn how to recover and listen to your body, whether if you're overstressed and when you get into a burnout stage, it's so much harder to keep going. Mm -hmm. So you have to be able to understand where you're at to revitalize yourself every day to stay out of that burnout stage and then continue to work on your mental health. Hmm. I know it's. I'm so happy that it's becoming a little bit more aware to the public how important it is, which is just fantastic. Okay. But becoming your own best friend, making sure that you're recovering every day, and then working on your mental health is are the three main keys in being successful, in my opinion.
0: All right. And some of the how-tos in that for you? Our meditation.
2: Yes. Meditation. A lot of journaling. Journaling. Um, one quick exercise I usually do that I, I love and I think it's very helpful is if you answer three bullet points every day. Okay. What did you learn? Um, what did you succeed at? And what do you want to work on tomorrow?
0: Oh, beautiful. And if
2: you're having a bad day, what did you fail at? What are you struggling to learn? And what are you going to work on tomorrow? Okay. And if you do that every day, you can start to see patterns and what you need to change throughout your routine to get better.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And everyone out there recognized that uh, that we are all about change. Our body is a perfect example of something that's in constant change, transition, creating new cells, getting rid of old ones, and mm-hmm. continuing to attempt to replenish if we could provide it with the right fuel mm-hmm. and mindset right. um, to keep those uh, cortisol out of the system. <laughs> um, so I, I am disappointed that we are done, that our time is up. <laughs> you are so fascinating. Thank you. Thank you. And, really, and thank you again for what you've done for all of us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she mentioned something over the phone about, um, and I didn't bring it up today, but this concept of, of leadership. Right. And and I want to ask this before we're done. And that is that you have become a leader. Your coach told you Tell everybody what your coach told you as when you went to the Olympics about what you were representing.
2: Right. Um, From the moment we made the Olympic team, we don't not only represent um, our family, but we represent our country and we represent almost the Olympic games as a whole. And it's a very big responsibility to hold because typically when you meet someone for the first time, you generalize them in a certain group. And that is the impression that you have of that group. And so it it did quite take a, a bit of my my young childhood from college away from me but it is such an honor and and huge responsibility to constantly represent what it means to be an Olympian and and for everyone everywhere how they can be i guess their own their own hero and their own Olympian to themselves of mm-hmm. how to continue to strive for excellence every day.
0: Beautiful beautiful. And that's something that we can all we can we, we have to recognize that how powerful it is to be a father, to be a mother, oh, absolutely. to be a teacher, to be a leader in an organization, to be, to be attempting to find a job, mm-hmm. to find a home, that we've got to recognize that everything we're doing is making a statement to others about not only who we are, but who we're aspiring to. Right. And you've given us some great insights on how to do that and not not overly complicated right? <laughs> right but the most important thing is is getting started absolutely and we all did with that 10 second breathing mm-hmm. cuz i felt better after that good right i felt revitalized so um is there anything you want to want to share that that uh, i didn't bring up or we didn't talk um, about today?
2: Just that if, if anyone with their, with their team at work would be interested in creating their own Olympian mindset seminar, I absolutely love performing them. And it's very easy to find me on any of my social media. I've got a, a different spelled name. So just Bria Larson, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, my email is larson at gmail.com um, pretty easy to get a hold of. So if you yeah. needed some, some boost or any inspiration to help right now, especially through these pandemic hard times, yeah. please feel free to work to reach out. I'd love to work with them.
0: Absolutely. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you again. Thank you thank very much, very mm-hmm. much appreciated. And to all of you out there, um, thank you for taking your time and investing it in yourself by having the opportunity to, to listen to the two of us. And, uh, I know you took away all kinds of valuable seeds of insight from Bria and she has just enlightened me um, because sometimes we just forget
2: mm-hmm. how
0: simple it can be right? because we can make it so complicated.
2: Yeah. <laughs> we have a habit of doing that. <laughs> we do. Yes.
0: It's easy mm-hmm. as you would say. So you'll probably hear some music in the background now and Walker will come on and share who our next guest would be. or will be. Um, And just continue to take care of yourself. Recognize, you know, there's some of you are out there with a 1965 VW driving around and you're actually a Lamborghini. You could be a rocket ship, but uh, if you're not taking care of it, you're never going to appreciate how amazing you really are. Mm -hmm. So thank you for your wonderful advice and all the best to all of you. Take care.
1: Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, we ask that you please subscribe and share with your friends and associates. Join Larry and his next guest, David Perrine. David is a highly acclaimed and well-respected chiropractor with advanced degrees in acupuncture and sports medicine. He is also the consulting chiropractor for the Kansas City Royals during their spring training. Join them and learn that the principles of success that you and I embrace are timeless, universal, universal and available to all of us.